0: it's Gigi. Welcome to Musicians Can Thrive. If you're watching today on YouTube or Spotify, welcome. We're doing video podcasts now. You'll notice that I have an iPad here with some notes because, try as I might, I can't remember all the details exactly right on my own. I need a little bit of help, so bear with me as we get used to recording on camera. When I was recording just on like before, you had no idea. You just thought I was really articulate all the time. So, when's the last time that you heard somebody identify as an octopus? I know it's a little weird, stay with me. Alfred Banks is a hip-hop artist based in New Orleans. There's a point in our interview where he calls himself an octopus because he learned how to do so many different things as part of building his independent music career. If you've been with Musicians Can Thrive for a minute, you know that a lot of my interviews come from personal introductions. So get this, I have a listener who's a longtime fan of Alfred Banks. He's the one who introduced us using Twitter to do it. And for that, a shout-out goes to Keith Pavoto, who's actually a musician himself. He's the frontman of Austin band Jack in the Box. And I really love it how things come full circle across state lines, across genres. People doing interesting things eventually bump into one another. So... Without his introduction last year, I wouldn't have this insightful interview with Alfred Banks. Thank you, Keith. Alfred Banks has gone on tour opening for artists like Tank and the Bangas, and I caught him in Austin this summer just before he did a series of Texas shows opening for Devin the Dude. One of the things I'm most interested in this year is getting people to your shows, getting them off the couch, out of the house, and into the venue. It's not an easy thing to accomplish. And what is easier is building an audience online. Social media followers and streams are great, but developing an audience that will take the effort to come and see you performing music live in person, it's a critical piece of building momentum as a musician. And in those early days, those shows are often the biggest revenue generators. So Alfred Banks shares a perspective on audience building That leverages live shows and merch first and social media second. I found it refreshing because he speaks to something concrete that when it comes to building relationships with people so they become your fans, it's a concept that's always felt a little elusive to me. Like, I could recognize it when people were doing it well, and I witnessed that. But as far as actually translating that to a strategy that I could leverage, that my friends who are musicians could leverage, that we could all learn from, that was the hard part. So take a listen, see what Alfred has to say, and if you have any thoughts you want to add to this conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm moving my attention away from Instagram as much as possible. So for that, you can find any link to things we're talking about in this episode in the show notes below. <laughs> With that i give you Alpha banks so
1: apparently i'm playing antones uh with uh Devin the dude uh which is super exciting i'm actually doing a couple shows with him and uh yeah shout out to my agent for giving me the gig i'm super excited about it i play Austin a bunch you know what I'm saying? i play very small spots here like kickball coffee i played Emos, yeah, you know I mean? So yeah. um, I guess Anton's is somewhere in between, apparently. I'm very excited. It's my first time there, never played uh, that spot. I've also never opened for Devin the Dude, never met him. Um, so I'm doing Austin and Dallas with him. So hopefully, you know what I'm saying? We get the vibe out. But I'm very excited, though. I think it's going to be a really, really dope, the show.
0: Cool. So it's going to be a mini Texas tour then, if you go on. Something like that. I
1: always say like three shows or more is a tour. So we're just doing back to back gigs. But technically, I'm on tour tour Devin to the Dude
0: That's awesome. <laughs> So you mentioned that your agent got you the show. Definitely. One of the sort of tipping points for an independent artist is when they do get that team built so Mm -hmm. they can, you know, not do everything themselves anymore. For those who just have a manager right now, when is the time where you start looking for adding someone else to your team, like an agent? Like, why is that really helpful for you?
1: Well, you know, you start adding, uh, like, other people to your team when you start, like, making money. What I found is people that, you know you do find people that will show love for free, but that's usually for a limited mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, people usually fall off the wagon, especially like people have very short uh, term expectations. So like, for example, this is a weird metaphor, but kind of follow me. Well, like usually when I do a gig, I'll meet a, a, a person in the crowd that's like, yo, you're amazing. And they discover me and they're like, yo, you're dope. And then they go do research and go, oh, this dude's about to pop. And then when I don't pop in eight months, they kind of fall off the wagon and just go find a new artist to rock with. So it's kind of like that. You'll find like a person that wants to be on your team because they feel you have the potential. But usually those people aren't in for the long haul. They'll rock with you maybe about a year. And when there's no bread coming in or real money coming in, they usually just fall off and go do something else with their lives. So if you got money coming in, then you can get a team. Um, And if you actually are busy, you'll get a team. You you should get a team, you know what I mean? Um, If you're not busy, if you're not doing stuff, if you don't have a schedule, you don't have like actual things coming up all the time, don't even worry about the team. Just grind it out until you start to get busy. For yeah, sure. for sure.
0: Yeah. So when you vet people and you're trying to figure out if they're going to be someone who is going to be consistent and accountable for the long term, what are some of the things that you look for?
1: If I'm being honest, man, like I've never really had to do that. Uh, I've been blessed to where people kind of, and this may sound cocky, but people just kind of gravitate to me, right? Um yeah. Because I'm an octopus, I literally can do everything myself. Now granted, I don't want to, it's not always the most effective. yeah, but for the first like eight years of my career, I pretty much did everything myself. I booked all my shows, I did all my flyers, I advanced my shows, I settled up at the end of the night, did my own sound checks, I got my rentals, I got my you know what I'm saying, I pressed up my merch, I designed my merch, did my cover art for my projects, I you know paid for all the mixing and mastering, did all that stuff myself. Pretty much the first, like, eight years of my career is all I did. So, um, you know, I literally can't do everything myself. Uh, but now that I'm starting to get busy and, and, and things are kind of coming to fruition that I always wanted, now it's like I need to have someone on my squad that I can trust. But in that, I, I don't really let people in my inner circle, unless I can trust you out the gate before I even ask you to work with my team. Like, you, you're not even, like, in my life if I can't yeah. trust you. So, like, I don't really do the whole kind of – vetting or like kind of you know seeing where the head's at and all that type of shit i don't do all that because like if you're in my squad most of the time you kind of see where i lack and you being the type of person that only the people that are in my squad are you'll be like hey can i help
0: uh, you know what yeah I mean?
1: and then that's where we create the, the relationship
0: it seems like a great way to do it i've definitely found that when i have people i trust they're in my immediate circle first. Definitely, definitely. And you don't have to do that vetting process. You gotta know,
1: do the whole thing, you know. Maybe there's just a couple of instances where I work with people through, uh, you know, what they call it, reference. uh, But, you know, that you know doesn't really go too far. But yeah, most of the people that are in my inner circle, that helped me in some regard, man. We already been vibing for a while. You're already my home homegirl, homeboy. You know what I'm saying, home person, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how, that's how we do it for so. sure.
0: I remember one of the things that really Impressed me when I saw you for the first time performing in Austin is your merch um, variety. Thank you. Because you had so many different things, and you had all the different price points too. So if someone is excited about your music and they want to support you, but maybe they can't afford a T-shirt that day, you've got all kinds of stickers and buttons, and
1: definitely, definitely. And you had
0: I think there was yeah. even a USB stick. Yeah, with like a whole bunch of your different yeah, music. I th- thumb right.
1: drive with pretty much everything i ever. Yeah, without. I tried. You know, I learned that from touring with like people like Mega Rand And like Tankin the Bangers and like Frida, like these these or you know, I I don't really go to a lot of shows that I'm not performing at, but the the shows that I have been in festivals and stuff like that, seeing artists that, you know, just have a variety. You know, I've I've read a lot of articles throughout the years. I went to college for about two and a half years for music and I learned from there, like, you know, you wanna have variety. You know, you wanna have that that zero dollar to five dollar item, then your ten to twenty dollar item, then your twenty five to 45 item and then you're 50 to 100 and then maybe even something more than that for your diehards, you know what I mean? You give people that variety because I, I believe that if I don't have anything to give you after the show is over I'm not jumping on stage. There's just no point. I'm not gonna depend on you to follow me on Instagram and then that'll be the the retention like that, yeah. you, it doesn't really work like that. you know I've done a million shows where people have followed me from the show and they stick with me throughout my career Nine times out of ten, the way the world works, we we consume everything like McDonald's. So like again, if you don't pop in six months, I'm probably gonna unfollow you anyway because like you ain't pop. So I don't really want you know. Um, But I want to support. I I want the support. And if 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 the only way I can get the support is you to follow me, you're probably gonna fall off the wagon at some point. You know what I mean? But if you cop something, you might be right there to click unfollow. And Then you look, oh, I remember that shirt. That dude was dope. Let me go see what he been up to. Kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah or like uh just taking some away from the show from a financial standpoint for me it helps me out and also it gives something to people love leaving an event with something to remember that gig you know what i mean i've had so many shows where people brought their daughters or sons and that was their very first hip hop show and oh, so they cool. bought like a beanie or like a cd or something for the little kid um i even had a lady um who was about 8 months pregnant she came to the gig she saw me bought a small no no she bought a uh what she bought i had some stickers buttons and she bought a beanie and the baby was born a few months later and she sent me a picture of the beanie on the baby's head. You know what I mean? So I love those that. Are, those are the type of things, like, yeah, don't... As an artist, to make money, you need merch. You yeah. need a selection of merch. And as a, you know, for your fans, you want them to leave with something, Yeah, you know? Even if it's just a flyer, just leave with something. So, yeah, that's why I have, like, such a vast uh, variety of stuff take-
0: I love what you pointed out about Instagram versus leaving the show with like something physical to remind them no. of you, because... That's actually one of the things I've started to notice, both with artists that I'm supporting, trying to book shows for, or just go me a show for, to support, Definitely. or even the podcast, and trying to figure out where are my real fans and not just a casual follower on Instagram. Definitely. And so, I don't know if you're familiar with that concept of a thousand true fans,
1: yeah it was like what you, as long as you just have a thousand you'd be able to make a living off of it. yeah like yeah, if definitely. they're true
0: diehard fans yeah, definitely, definitely, and they're definitely. willing to support you they can help fund your career in definitely. a sustainable way that you could actually become a full-time musician or other kind of artist and so i love that your perspective is focused on basically trying to get people off of instagram and more tangibly and supporting into the
1: definitely yeah the you know social media uh, especially nowadays like if you don't have a Instagram or Twitter, people don't even take you serious as an artist, You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do believe that, like, I, I'm I'm more in the streets first than social media. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. I'm usually like, hey man, go to my website before I say go to my Instagram. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Because I got stuff there that I think you get to dig a little bit deeper there than you would on my gram. But again, we consume things like McDonald's, so the first thing we want to see is what your image look like, how many followers you got, yeah. verified, what your comments look like. People you know making fun of you in the comments of people like on your on your on your um I don't say that word uh are they on your trail really hard uh uh on your Instagram and you know things like that are famous people on your yeah you know, these are things people care about I'm more like i mean people do have coming to your show, you know what I mean, yeah. and these are the things that I care about because with my track record uh I've been able to work really hard to tour all over the world, open for big acts, do some really cool things. But my name hasn't necessarily spread the way I wanted to, and so now the focus is to have that tangible success, where it's like I could you book Alfred Banks and there's butts in the seats. You know what I mean? That's kind of the, the followers and stuff like that will kind of just kind of happen as a byproduct. And I think people kind of get caught up in the followers first and then the fans. And I think if you get the fans first, then the followers are kind of come. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, you know, but and that sounds like an old guy talking in 2022. That's I think just it's kinda smart, how I rock, though. though. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can say personally it has worked for me, definitely. And uh, you know, all my friends who you know make a quarter of a million dollars a year off music, they'll kind of attest to that same thing too. So.
0: Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is consistent with what I've noticed. Also, because at some point, someone can have ten thousand followers, but if their show can't even pack fifty people or a hundred people, then where are those ten thousand people? Definitely. And the
1: thing is, like for me, you know. Um, like in New Orleans, like if I do a gig, you know, I'm, I'm I'm good there. I can I can draw pretty well, but and you know, it's kind of surrounding markets. But my goal is to be a national act, and I don't even let the follower number really bother me. You know, it kind of got, I had to get to a point with that too because at one point I was like, y'all got my followers up." Well, my, one of my first goals was ten thousand followers, and I finally got to ten thousand. I was verified when I had like four thousand followers. You know what I mean? So that the, the verified thing didn't, wasn't really a thing for me, but. um Ten thousand was my number, and then I noticed like when I got I busted my butt to get those followers, but I noticed it wasn't really helping my draw, so mm-hmm. I was like I, I'm gonna go focus on my draw, yeah, you know I mean, and, and you know the fact that I'm verified kind of gets me in rooms, and I do have the talent, and the music is dope, so like all the other things kind of like come together, uh my main focus is just putting busts in the seats, yeah, you know I mean the followers and then the internet like there are certain things I could kind of improve on, I personally believe, but that's just me being. Just a, um, just very analytical and stuff like they're very anal just about everything. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like none of that stuff really, I don't. That shit don't matter to me. Like I, I just kind of wanna, I wanna go do, I wanna do a million shows. You know what I'm saying? I wanna, I wanna go meet people. I wanna shake hands and kiss babies. I wanna, cause I feel like the best way to know what I do isn't from my Instagram because all I post about is sneakers. You would think <laughs> I'm a reseller or something. You know what I'm saying? You like, do love your passion. Like, like my, you know what I mean? That's all I post about. So like I don't really, you go to my joint. If you read my bio, you see I rap, but otherwise, you just be like, you know. So, yeah, come to a show, man. Come see me open for your favorite artist, and then I'll become your favorite artist. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You definitely made a strong impression on me when you had these mad freestyle skills.
1: Thank you. I appreciate I think it. Thank you. you
0: just grabbed words from the crowd. I don't remember if it was in real time or if you had us give you a few words beforehand, and then you just developed a verse from that. But no, and me, was in real it time. It was so cool. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that.
0: Because you had us participating with you. Definitely. And it was a relatively small show.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about... So, like, again, touring with some of the guys and gals that I've toured with, you know, like, I've toured with Tank and the Bangers in front of, like, 4,000 people every night for 20 shows. I've also toured with people like Megaran, two, 300 people a night. I've also toured by my damn self, 50 people a night, you know what I mean? And so, um, you learn how to work different types of crowds, and one of the things I learned is the, the, the lesser the amount of people, the more interactive you have to be because mm-hmm. people come to a show to be where the people are. People don't really go to shows for the musical experience anymore. they go because 20 of their friends are going to be there right And yeah. so when you go to a show and there's only 20 people in the crowd, you feel awkward as hell you're like, "Oh man people looking at this is weird I don't, <laughs> this artist ain't popping. I can't even gram this like what's going on? I can't post this online this shit ain't lit like, oh, I'm about to leave." So, me being the person I am, I understand that, right? So, I'm like, all right, well, since you're here, let's have fun. You're not going to get the most, if I'm in front of 3,000 people, they get a different show than if I'm in front of no. 20. 20 people get the same energy as 3,000 people, but they don't get the same show. When I'm in front of 2,000 people, 3,000 people that were already there because they're waiting to see the opener, the headliner, I could. Say boo boop a for 30 minutes. Y'all, you know, probably rock with it just because, oh, he's fucking over there. Yeah. <laughs> but when I'm in 20 people, I'm like, all right, cool. I got to pull out the tricks. I got, um, and shout out to my man Mega Ran. He really inspired me to freestyle. My man Marcel P. Black, Mega Ram, my man Ray Wimley. These guys inspired me to really get back into my freestyling. So I'm like, all right, cool. You in the crowd, you got on black boots. Uh, oh man, she got on the outfit with black boots. That's cute. And I'm that dude, going for stacks, fool. Like, whatever, just free, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Dad's like, oh, oh, you know what I mean? It's like in the moment. So it's like, I don't want to leave because I don't know what he's going to do next kind exactly. of deal. And that keeps, and that now you got 20 new followers. And yeah. so those 20 new followers, at least nine of them are going to come to the next gig. And then they're going to bring some friends. Oh, yo, this dude did this thing with the freak. Yo, it's so fire. And then they hear, them, oh, his music is fire. You know what I mean? So that's the, you know, those type of, you just learn how to do different gigs, different types of shows for different types of crowds. And that's one of the things I've been blessed to do. I've done so many shows at this point that, like you know, I could rock for all white crowd. I could rock for all black crowd. I could rock for, you know, younger crowds usually give me the the most trouble. Uh, but like you know, I just did. I opened for Rock Kim uh, about a week ago, and all his crowd, uh, legendary Rock Kim, the god MC, his crowd is fifty and up. And so you know, me being thirty years old, like you would think, like oh, you know, I saw other uh, situations where that didn't work out well, but. Me, I can rap in front of a 50 year old, uh, a crowd of 50 year olds, because I know what they want to hear. You know, you come from a rock him, show, that means you want to hear lyricism. So I'm, all my songs are going to be lyrically driven and more boom bap You know, if I'm rocking for a crowd that's around my age, like 30 to like 40, you're kind of maybe still in a more experimental phase. You kind of want to maybe hear music from your past. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I should do my more like rock inspired stuff. You know, I mean, lyricism that's kind of across the board. Because this is more of a, you know, uh, a vast crowd, a, a crowd, of variety of different ethnicities and people. And you kind of learn that doing these different shows. And I haven't, you know, I've only had like two or three bad shows and maybe like a thousand shows. So for me, like, I have to do every single thing in my power. After this show is over, if you didn't enjoy yourself, it's really on you. That, yeah. ain't, that ain't a me thing. You I gave, gave everything it, I good. gave you everything you know what I'm saying I, I did the research <laughs> I went on Wikipedia like I did the thing or whatever
0: you dove deep
1: yeah you know I dove <laughs> deep I read the textbooks I went to, you know what I'm saying and if you don't like it that's really you it's not really a me thing you know what I mean because I know I'm dope I know what I'm doing I know how to do it in front of y'all I know where I'm at I respect where I go if you don't like it that's on you So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> honestly at the show that I went to hear you for the first time I didn't like the other artists that you're performing with it was amusing but it wasn't my kind of comedy definitely, and definitely. i wasn't expecting to hear music and comedy mixed together definitely, so definitely, it wasn't definitely. my thing at all but the second you started doing the freestyle where you had the crowd engaging with you and it was in real time Thank you me. were just taking words that we would shout at you and then it was like okay well he said this thing and we just gave him this curveball so what is he going to do with it definitely. you won me over in that moment I and i was that. there to see you in the first place but that was when I became someone who's not just a passive listener. Definitely, you know? definitely. I really so, appreciate that, yeah. too,
1: man. I'm glad you appreciated that, that. It's always fun. That stuff is fun, though. The freestyle <laughs> is fun. really fun, like, because, uh, quick quick story, I, I did a, a thing with uh, um, I opened for oh, man, who was it? Uh, I'm in this band called Sax Kicks At with my man Albert yeah. Allen back, right? And, of Tank of the Bankers, and we opened for a band called Corey Henry. Uh, it's like a brass band back home in New Orleans, and the owner of the venue is called Tipitinas, and the owner of Tipitinas, he walked up to me, the sound check, and he was like, yo, I know you do the freestyle stuff, but people always pull out the same things out their pocket. Or they always say the same words and stuff, so you probably got a memodex of that story in your head. I mean, he's not wrong, but he was like, yo, you should, like, I bet you can't do, like, really crazy stuff. And I was like, dude, when the show starts, pull out the wildest stuff you possibly can find, and I'm a freestyle about it. They put out uh, <laughs> uh, a broken fire hydrant. They, like, brought this on stage. Uh, like a hazard sign like a wet hazard sign a, uh a ice chest a bag of ice uh what they brought uh like a like a like a little like a puree knife uh like a vinyl they they pulled out everything they could and I freestyled like 7 minutes straight of just about every, you know what I mean I was like yo I could really do that you know what I'm saying and I got that from Mega Ran. like I toured with him in 2017 and I watched him do it and Mega Ran is an incredible MC uh he does like kind of nerdcore hip hop but he's really good. He just did. He did Madison Square Garden in 2019. So, an nice. independent artist making doing Madison that's just incredible. So, uh, yeah, watching him freestyle and just and just grab that crowd, just you know, right here, the crowd, right here. You do whatever you want with him. You know what I mean? And, and I aspire to that. So it just made me want to do that stuff. So yeah, I, I really and I really I like really rapping. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, yeah. the, my music's good. I can make a radio record. I can do this or that. But at the end of the day. I just want to show people i can really do this you know what i mean like it's, it's no fluke over here so I, i'm glad that you appreciate it and and that and stuck with you that really means a lot for sure
0: yeah it's my pleasure i thoroughly enjoyed every second of it that's what's up so you mentioned a couple times that you've gone yeah. tour a tank in the bangas yeah what was that like it's a pretty big group to be opening for definitely but it's also more kind of jazz soul music yeah definitely, yeah like
1: rock and they do they do everything it is really interesting, like because I'm on the same management as them. It's like me, Big Freedia, Tanki the bankers, Sweet Crew, my girl, uh, the uh, Other sufferers. Um, so the first time I toured with them was 2018. Uh, we did we did southeast into the East Coast. It was amazing because I had said to myself, all I ever wanted in life was to go on tour with a big act because I just wanted to show people. But all these years of me rapping in front of 75 people, I knew how to rock a crowd of two, 3,000. It's all I ever wanted. I just want everybody to know that it's really lit over here. Not, you put, no matter what it is, I can do it. And that's, I finally got that opportunity. The first time, I was like, yo, this is, a, I finally, the first show was in Pensacola, Florida, 1,500 people, and I won them over. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I never forget, the very first person that bought merch, that night on that show, spent like $400 with me. Damn. Damn. You i was like, yeah, this is, this is about to be lit. You <laughs> know what I mean? And then I wound up touring with them three separate times. We toured uh, southwest, southeast to the east coast. Second time I toured with them was 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 uh was the southwest. We did uh Texas. We we was to do Houston. I don't know if you remember that storm that hit Houston.
0: Yeah. A couple
1: years ago, that flood, the real bad flood so We was on that on that run. Uh, but we wound up doing Austin awesome, at Emos, and we did uh Dallas at Trees. We did Santa Fe, New Mexico. We did Phoenix, Arizona, and I came back. And the last time I toured them was Canada. That was my first time touring Canada. And that was an inc- That was an experience I didn't forget. Uh, I was going through some real bad mental health issues at the time. So the little I do remember of that tour was like, I, I was living my dream. I was out the country touring, you know what I mean? And, and it was amazing. And the fact that like Tank, Tariana like really just took to me, man. Like she really likes me. Like she's like, yo, you are, you were it. You were nuts. You know what I mean? Like you were incredible. And and that's all I ever wanted. I just wanted the big boys to know that like I ain't trying to take you out your spot. I ain't got the name yet, but like, trust me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm yeah. nice. I just want everybody to know I'm nice. And I'm nice on a bunch of different levels. You know what I'm saying? And it was a blessing, man. So shouts to Tanger the banks for giving me the opportunity. A lot of my fans, I got from those tours. I did like thirty shows with them. A lot of those shows got me my a lot of my fan base I have right now. You know what I mean? That's why I can tour in, you know, Kansas City, Missouri and draw a crowd because of Negative you know, I could probably go back. I can go to Phoenix, Arizona and 75 people will come out because of Negative Vegas. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was a blessing. I'm so grateful for that opportunity to we'll do it Definitely sounds like a dream Plus, they from New Orleans. They pop. Yeah. So, that's, that's all I ever wanted was going to tour with a huge band from my city. That's, just, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really you can't write that. You know what I mean? So, and after like, what, 10 years of me doing music, I finally go on my first big tour. So, so it took you 10 years to get to that
0: point? Yeah. And then where are
1: we at now? Is it 12? COVID, oh, I'm uh, 13 years in. June 6th, made 13 years. Okay. I've been doing music. Uh, COVID was, was a real big setback, it yeah. really ruined a lot uh I, I had a lot going it was it was gonna be nuts 2020 i feel like and i mean this with no exaggeration 2020 was gonna be my breakout year i had a lot going like a lot of tours a lot of press coming up it was nuts and then it
0: all just came crashing down yeah i
1: lost 70 shows uh yeah. you know what I'm i was in a relationship with, with my ex you know what i'm saying seven year relationship that ended i lost my day job so that whole time i was touring sure doing a show i had a job and i lost my day job so like it was it was rough Um, But, you know, we we back on the trail. This is my first tour in three years. You know what I'm saying? A little quick little A-City run. Um, And I'm very grateful for it. That's another thing, too. All this stuff I talk about, like, you know, I'm grateful for everything. Because, again, I'm an independent artist. Like, you know, one thing that COVID did do, I realized for, I guess, all the artists that that are watching it, um, the chances of you getting, like, to open for, like, a a big act, those those chances have slimmed up a little bit. Venues are, like, going with the sure shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh,
0: because they lost so much money. Boom.
1: So, like, and they're still fighting back. Even two, three years later after the pandemic, two years later, people are still fighting. And so, these venues don't have enough room to give you a shot. You have to be, you have to have a draw nowadays, you know? So, you know, some of these big tours that I did pre COVID, I probably won't get to do again until I'm the headliner. That's probably another 10 years of me grinding it out until I can put a 1,000 people into a room, you know? And I'm cool with that. I did it the first ten years. It's all love, you know what I mean. So
0: you make I, good momentum in those ten years.
1: Exactly, and so it's not like I don't have a name. So I, I can, I'm lucky enough to I have a name that precedes me, so people book me for to open for Devin to do for a couple of dates and stuff like that. So like these type of opportunities I'm getting because of my track record and what I've done. But a lot of people aren't in my boat, and so you got to know that. Like if you get that slide, do not take that stuff for granted. Don't just go in there and be the rapper, be in the green room for three hours, rap and smoke a bunch of weed, drink and just leave. Like really engage with the people, man, because you don't know the next time you gonna get that. You know what I'm saying? Nothing is yeah. promised. COVID taught me that. I went from doing a hundred shows a year to nothing for a year and a half. You know what I'm saying? So you don't. I don't take none of this for granted. Like I am blessed, and I know I'm blessed. You know what I mean? I get to rap for a living. A lot of people don't get to get to that point.
0: So are you a full time musician? Then? I am. Now Congrats!
1: Dang, you, thank you. That's COVID, fuck it, COVID also did that. Finally, you know.
0: So when you I, couldn't play shows because of COVID, how did you? Recover to the point where you could become a full-time musician.
1: I never stopped. Uh, uh, I'll say this like, from a financial standpoint, I just sold a bunch of sneakers. Like, I was just flipping shoes and shit.
0: So you added a different revenue. Yeah,
1: because I I got hundreds of hundreds of shoes in my house. I just like flipped. But outside of that, man, it was more like, (sighs) I knew I was going to rap. I just knew this was a temporary thing. I didn't know how long it was going to last. We just got to figure it out. I just got to get on the other side of it. So like I did a bunch of online shows, you know, the, the the live stream joints and they ain't really hit like I wanted it to. Red it was okay, but it wasn't really hitting. I did a lot of like like under under the table writing for people and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That kinda got me through. But for the most part, like I just was looking, like, yo, I'm gonna get back to it. It was just like like that poster is just the defend- I just gotta get there again. And once I get there it's lit, right? Yeah. Um, that's kinda how I got through it, man. You know, and I wrote an album I didn't write, well, I wrote that album June, like that. I was trying to write a record and it was really sad, so I stopped making music. And then, like, I, my man Cedric Avenue out of Denver, he played me some beat. He was, I was on Instagram, I heard a beat. I was like, yo, this beat is crazy. Who made this? He was like, me. And I was like, oh, because I know him as a rapper. I didn't know what he produced. I was like, oh, word, send me that over. I wrote to it. He loved it. I was like, yo, just keep sending me beats. And then I dropped an album called One Guy Standing by Himself because it's kind of the idea. Originally, the idea was because the I wanted the sequel to be a Sass Kicks Ave album, album. I wanted to be two guys standing next to each other. I just thought that was funny as hell. Albert was like, "No, I don't like it." I was like, "Damn." So I was like, "One guy standing by himself. I think that's kind of ill." And it's a testament to like me kind of making it through and busting my butt uh, to really like make it through the other side. You know, what I mean, I lost Damn. my job. I lost pretty much my entire life, and I was able to kind of bounce back from it. Um, and I feel like my story is no different from a lot of people that went through issues in COVID. You know specific to me because it's my story but it's no you know a lot of people was grinding it out making it happen so um that's another thing i don't really be on that like you know violins and sob stories like get it done or you don't like you know what, I'm saying? Like, what am i gonna sit in my mope? go figure something out i did my uber eats you know what i'm yeah. saying uh uber eat deliveries sold some sneakers did some writing got some verses. like you know or i started that. death so figure that shit out you can be sad later you know so,
0: yeah yeah i appreciate you sharing that and being honest in that way because no worries, no worries. that's actually one of the things i'm most interested in is when you know i want to make music for my whole life definitely and my podcast is a way for me to get to know other musicians and help amplify other people definitely. while also you know in the background right now working on my music and definitely. so i've noticed that a lot of people who are at a level of momentum like you or they're you know winning grammys or Juno i can't talk <laughs> juno awards definitely. um they've put in at least 10 years of work before they get to that first sort of big milestone. definitely. And so when you have to go 10 years to kind of start popping off and then maybe another 10 to get to the next level that you want to get to, you know, there's always going to be some sort of challenge or pitfall that gets thrown in your way. And so trying to figure out how to stay resilient and keep things going over that long period of time is what I've been really paying attention to.
1: Honestly, you just got to love it. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, people always say, like, I've been hearing a lot lately, like, people say uh, to do music to just get a bag right quick and then and go about their business. I was like, who's making money fast in music? Can you point me in that direction? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to money. go. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because I ain't started making money until, like, year seven. You kidding me? Like, who blew up in a year and made money? What? Please, what is your formula? Like, I want to know. Because <laughs> like, I don't know nobody series. that made money that, you know. But, yeah, man, you got to love what you do. And I, I see nothing else for me is music. That's it. Um, I'm very smart. I could pretty much go do whatever I want. yeah uh, I'm a very astute young man. But at the same time, music is all I want to do. That's all I was ever going to do. And I knew that from 17 when I jumped out and did my first show. Uh, I don't I don't want to do nothing else. So for me, uh, since music is all that, that there will be and all there is, uh, I got to make this shit happen. Yeah. And I just, there is no other option. I have to make music rock. And now I finally got to that for a living. So now it's leveling up in the tax brackets and figuring that out. And that's the goal, man. But yeah, music is, you got to love it. Because if you, I, I know a lot of people that quit. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot yeah. of people that don't rhyme no more. They rhyme every now and again just for the sake of it. But they don't do it no more like they used to. A lot of cats, when I first came in the game, don't rap no more. You know what I'm saying? Well, from, you know, even, I don't know, just times change. Things happen. Circumstances change and stuff. And you got to love what you do. You got to love this. Because if you don't love it, man, it's going to eat you up. Bitch you out. Yeah, you know what I mean? I've only been booed one time, but like I've been booed on stage in front of like I had a crowd, two thousand people boo me. You know Damn. what I'm saying? Uh that was like two years ago. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> Three years ago. I wasn't even I was I was, I was nice. I was, I was I was a good rapper and I got booed. Uh you know, I've also, you know, was promised to open for a big act, get to the spot, and they put me on after the headliner. So instead of the nine hundred people, I rapping in front of twenty. You know what I mean? I've also had, you know, venues say we got this for you get there well you didn't do well so we ain't got this bread for you you drove nine hours you know i mean i've also driven 10 hours to wrap it for five people so there's a lot of different things you you do and you just gotta love it yeah you know i mean somehow you just gotta fight through it and just get to the, get to the next one
0: yeah sure one of the interesting projects i saw that you did was you partnered with the new orleans library yeah and you helped them curate for this exclusive to new orleans uh, streaming service.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: How did that project come about? The
1: yeah, Crescent City Sounds. Um. Yeah, that was dope. They reached out to me, man. Like, you know, I was going to go to the library. Whatever city in, you go to the library. We was a kid, you know, and I've always been a library. I used to be there reading wild books. You, know I mean? <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> Read mad books, you heard? You know what I mean? Word up, books and words. And nah, uh, but I was always in the library, man, and, um, you know, for them to reach out to me was a, was a blessing. They actually reached out to my manager, and uh, she was like, nah, but my... My man will do it. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Uh, so shout to Crescent City Sounds, man. They've been reaching, they've been really doing, you know, I've been doing a lot of press in New Orleans to kind of like promote it. And uh, it's dope, man. Like a Spotify, but for New Orleans. Yeah. I feel like New cool. Orleans is a very, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I feel like it's one of the most beautiful cities on the planet with the sake when it comes to music. I think a lot of people here in New Orleans and they think like three types of music they think bounce, they think street stuff, like, you know, cash money, no limit, and they think like brass bands. And there's so much more. You know, there's acts like Latranium who does pop music. There's uh, my girl, Sleazy Easy, who does like this kind of alternative hip-hop pal, who does like this cloud rap kind of deal. They got me. I do you know, I don't say true school hip hop, that's not, but more like I'm rooted in hip-hop, but I kind of go all over the place. I can do hyper pop to like indie rock to like rap to R and b and things like that. Yeah, so many different acts that are coming out the city, man, like and these people need this platform, you know what I mean, they need a platform that people can come to New Orleans and be like, "Oh, there's other stuff." And I think if we do it right, which you know, promotion-wise and, and positioning-wise we are, it's going to be, become a staple thing that when the next time you come to New Orleans, first thing you see when you touch down is Crescent City Sounds. And you should go here to listen to the music and see who's doing shows around what. Yeah, I think it's going to be really amazing. So shout out to the NOLA Public Library for reaching out to me to be a part of that, man. Shouts to the whole team. I'm one of the music curators, so I'm actually one of the people that picked the axe to be on the streaming that service. That sounds
0: like so much fun. It's really
1: dope. I can't wait. We're going to ask you when I get back home from this run, we're going to start listening to the music to uh, pick and stuff. So it's going to be dope. I can't wait.
0: Cool. Well, please send me a link when you like yeah, launch it. I definitely want to go dive in and get all the good stuff.
1: Definitely, man. It's going to be amazing. can't wait.
0: That's cool. So you also recently put out a new album. Yes. What was the process like for making that? Because it's definitely a slightly new sound for you, I feel like.
1: Yeah, nah. So it's called The Range 2. Um, the Range is going to be a series, I guess. Uh, I didn't really plan on doing The Range 2. I didn't plan on doing The Range 1. I just got into this space where I was like, man, I really want to do everything. I want to do every type of music I humanly can. Because working with somebody like Albert Allenback of Tango The Bangers, this guy can do anything. Uh, he's made bounce records. He's also obviously producing records for Tango The Bangers and stuff. and so. He can do anything. And I wanted I really want to match that energy. And so I know that I'm capable of a lot of different things. And so that's what the range one was about. The range two is just kind of furthering that idea. This is more like, nah, nah, I definitely can do any type of rap. I can give you some boom bap stuff. I can give you some more radio stuff.
0: You were singing on this album. I'm I can literally to it, yeah, and I, was I can like,
1: sing. Damn. Yeah, now, nah, yeah. I'm I'm trying my best to like really get my voice under me and really perfect that. Tank co signed my voice, Tariana. So when she Tariana Tank Ball. So she told me I could sing. I was like, "Can't okay, nobody tell me no." Cause her voice is the best voice I've ever heard in my life. So yeah. when she told me I could sing, it's like, "All right, we lit." So boom, you know, I'm trying to get my singing together, get that going, writing my 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 ballads, my you know what I'm saying, like, and that's what the range two is about. Uh, featuring my man K the Beast. He's on the record. I guess he's he's an artist on the Underdog Central. Like I don't really do like the the artist like the my artist. It's not my. He's just a really dope rapper that I always just want to help and work with. So K the Beast is somebody dope. K A Y E the Beast. Check him out. He's super fire. Um, my man, Pell, of Global Warming, he did the intro for me, you know what I'm saying, kind of talking some noise for me, which is amazing. Um, I love that little project, I think it's got like six songs on it. Um, I even rap about like my mental health uh, and how up and down it is and stuff. And I, I give a lot of different you know, energy on that. Oh, here and Now is like, kind of like an alternative kind of rap song. It's really dope, man. So I, really I really liked
0: hearing now. Thank One you, of my thank favorite you. Ones, I actually. appreciate
1: it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. so the range too is everywhere. You can get that on thelcentral.com and stuff like that. Uh. I love it man Like I'm really proud Of this work You know what I mean Like I don't really Put out nothing I ain't proud of But this is something That like I think um, I I got like I've put out some music, but I got like two or three projects that really stand the test of time. And I think the range two might be one of the joints that when people listen to me and think of me, they think, oh, this is one of the joints. Yeah. So I'm proud of it. So.
0: Well, thank you for putting it out there for us to listen to. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. streaming the shit
1: out of it. My it's pleasure. <laughs>
0: so I got one last question for you. You mentioned Underdog Central, and that is your website, but it's also a recurring theme that shows up in your music and across your Instagram and yeah. your merch. Where did that come from? What what is that to
1: you? Underdog Central is the place where the overlooked go to hone their skills to come back and become the admired. So All it's kind right. of like a life mantra that yeah. I live by. Um, you know, when I first came out, uh, I was mad rough around the edges. You know, what I'm saying I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just little, very unrefined, and so I kind of went back into my proverbial back cave to a degree and
0: <laughs> I perf- love that.
1: perfected what I did. And that idea and energy is Underdog Central. So just if you just a guy that or a gal or a person who it just gets overlooked and, and you feel like you're underrated, you're underappreciated, but you're really amazing. That's what Underdog Central is. And so that's why I named it my label. That's why I named it my brand. Just the whole thing, my Instagram account, all of it, Twitter, whatever. I really believe in this idea that some of the best people that do that are on the planet are unknown and they're not as known or they're, they're not as recognized. When you dig for jewels, they're underground. That's literally what it's about. It's like some of the best things on the planet you ain't never heard of. Some of the stuff that we all kind of just know and and, and and refer to sometimes ain't always the best, but it's just the safe bet, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what Underdog Central is all about. And that's why I rock with K to because I feel like he's that in a nutshell. He's a guy that a lot of people don't know about, but the dude's amazing. He produced one of my biggest songs, Underdog Central, that got uh, feature in the, the movie Burning Sands on Netflix. You know what I mean? He was also in my Volkswagen car commercial we did a few years back. So the dude's amazing. So, like, that, just that idea. So, if you like, if that kind of relates to you or that that sticks to you and you relate to that idea you know come over to the dollar central kind of feel like you see your dancing i dancing <laughs> all of your videos
0: that's cool well thank you for sharing that and thank you for coming on and for sure just being willing to tell us about your journey it's been really exciting to hear and watch how things evolve and change
1: for you i appreciate that man stick around because i think next couple years are gonna be pretty epic yeah i'm hitting i'm hitting i'm in this weird groove man i think uh (laughs) i think we'll be having a different combo in a couple years so we'll see yeah
0: well i was a little late to the game but shout out to your fan who introduced you to me on twitter and you you know without him i wouldn't know who you were definitely i'm in austin and you're in new orleans
1: that's what it's about man That, that 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 means the world to me just people just talking about banks you know, however many people that that may be, they have no idea how much I, I appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah shouts to whoever that was. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll pull up his Twitter. Definitely, like, definitely, We'll find it. For
0: sure, for sure. <laughs> cool. Well, before we go, where can listeners find you and your music online?
1: Um, underdogcentral.com is my website. It's exactly what you spell it, Underdog Central. Uh, Twitter, Underdog Central. Instagram, Underdog Central. Uh, Snapchat? Nah, no Snapchat. <laughs> uh, I'm on Snapchat, but damn. Nah. Uh, what else just wherever you listen to music type in alfred banks and you can listen away and, and check out some of the tunes like literally the spotify sound whatever it is just underdog central alfred banks you check it out
0: all right well thank you again for i sure. look forward to seeing you kill it at EMOs most tomorrow night appreciate it for sure for sure thank you for listening to today's episode please check the show notes for links to find alfred banks music website where you can buy merch social media and all that fun stuff or below if you're on youtube Before you go today, I've got one last thing for you. There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. And with that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. Alfred Banks spoke about having merch and how he doesn't play a show unless he has that merch available to give to someone, well, to sell to someone. And for the initial expectation of selling merch and having it available for your fans, we associate that with, yes, it's a great way for me to make a little extra money on top of what I'm being paid for playing this show. Or if you're in a situation where you're playing a show that you're not being paid for, the merch is a great way to create income so that show isn't a total loss. But what doesn't get talked about often enough is how merch becomes a retention tool for you. And that's the root of what Alfred Banks was talking about and what was such an eye-opening perspective for me personally to hear because many of you may know my day job is in marketing i work in the e-commerce world and there we're all about customer retention it drives 90 percent of the marketing decisions that i make when someone finds you for the first time your first goal is to make them a customer of yours or in your case as an artist make them a fan of yours a loyal customer fan who's going to come buy tickets and attend your shows who's going to buy your merch but the next most important step after getting that initial purchase is keeping them around so they come to the next show so they support the next album the next music video and so on and that is where the true value of merch i believe comes in so like alfred described someone's about to unfollow you on instagram twitter anything else and they look across their room and they see this t-shirt or they're looking through their photo album and they see a picture of their friend wearing their beanie that they got at your concert that has your logo on it and they go you know actually I'm gonna sit tight because I do really like that artist I'm gonna stay engaged with them for the long term so retention is something that I might talk about later in season four or season five of musicians can thrive but in the meantime think about what you want to do for your own merch and how that can become your own retention tool even if it's just a poster that you hand to people as they're leaving maybe you sign it for them what can you do that's going to get people to stick around that basically carries more weight than just following you on social media thanks again for listening guys i appreciate it